This is the New Glarus Brewing Podcast with Dan Carey. I am Scott May, and today I am here with Kieran O'Neill. Kieran O'Neill Colhane. Kieran O'Neill Colhane. I I gave you the look because I was like, I am not sure about the naming custom. (laughs) (laughs) No, you you almost got it. You got most of the way there. Got most of the way there. Kieran has worked in the tap room here at the brewery for a very, very long time, as well as the gift shop. Uh, Kieran also uh, is very involved in my other job here at the brewery, which is helping to administer only in Wisconsin giving, which is the the brewery's charitable foundation. And if you don't know, uh, the New Glarus Brewing Company has been sort of doing charitable giving since they could afford to do it. And Kieran's been sort of involved with that uh, for, a, for a while now, right, Kieran? Yes, uh, four or five years now, actually, yeah. So um, just a little bit before the actual foundation was formed mm-hmm. um, in uh, 2020, I was approached by Deb one day. Uh, she actually came down to the gift shop and asked me if I was doing okay and, uh, you know, it, what else would I be looking for here, here while working? And I sort of joked about, uh, Oh, why don't you just give me some kind of flowery title that I can flash around to people? And, uh, we talked for a little bit and then a week later she came up to me and, uh, um, brought my team lead, Jen Lukey and, and Sherry Kempfer who have, uh, been do- Sherry has been doing the lion share, the charitable action at that point through the brewery. And, uh, they said, Hey, we're going to have you help, uh, with the charitable giving and, uh, and you and Sherry will sort of lead that for us from here on out. And that was, I think 2019 when that started. Um, and then, uh, through the last couple of years, this foundation has formed to handle all the, all the charitable action that we're doing now. Yeah. And it's, it's been very, very exciting over the last, uh, the last two years, sort of getting the formalization of the charitable, charitable giving sort of cemented and building, you know, a real sort of ethos and a real sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, drive to why, uh, drive to, uh, an aim to where the giving is going to go and the things we want to affect. But let's move back a little bit before that. When did you start working in the, in the tap room here at New Glarus? Um, I started in 2014, so I've been with the company for nine years now, and I I just started part time. Uh, I had been working multiple jobs for a really long time, and uh, eventually got offered a full time position here with benefits, and it was just a huge relief. And that started in 2016. So I have been doing the the retail aspect front of the house at the brewery for for uh, nearly a decade now. And I, I've had to work a, a tap, a tap line in my day. I, I used to get called in every once in a while on like a Saturday, uh, probably like, you know, around 2014, 15, somewhere in there. And what always struck me is just for the most part, how friendly people can be when they, when you are the one serving them beer. Um, but also, you know, but also it's, it's a very fast paced kind of quick thing when it's sort of humming in the, you know, in the middle of summer and everyone, everyone's out, uh, you know, out trying to have a good time and do their little day trips. How do you sort of handle the, um, you know, the back and forth between the tap and the collecting of money? Cause for me, it becomes like a little dance almost you get into this kind of rhythm. How do you, how do you find just like serving beer and, and dealing as like a front facing person of the brewery? Um, well, it, it's nice when you have the time where you can actually go through a, uh, you know, a interaction and, you know, create a positive, uh, 
uh, a positive interaction with the customer. But uh, usually on those summer days and weekends, it's just, you know, uh, nonstop lines that you're trying to move through. I, uh, we try to view it as, well, the thing you're most concerned about uh, from a customer perspective is they're waiting the shortest amount of, t- amount of time mm-hmm. possible for, for getting beer. So I just try to, you know, move that line as fast as possible and basically get people the beer as, as quickly as I can, because that's, that's what they came for. People are generally pretty happy, even if they have to wait a little while. No one's, no one's really having a bad time at a brewery. Well, especially here, it's just so, it's just so pretty up there on the beer garden. And uh, when it's summer and, uh, you know, they're serving sort of outside and you just like looking at those hills. It's, it's, it's honestly one of my favorite places I've, I've ever had a beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the ambiance is really nice. Um, we invite some guys up from, from town to play Alphorns, which, uh, the, the tourists really get a kick out of it. And, uh, those guys are, those guys are pretty good natured as well. They, uh, you know, let people play the Alphorns themselves and they'll, we'll, we'll pour them beers, you know, uh, throughout the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my, uh, now, now I usually do the tapping of the keg with Dan on Oktoberfest, which is always really nice, but we always end up serving beer off the beer wagon downtown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one of my uh, crowning achievements, I think, in, in, in my journey here with beer was uh, having three uh, of the big steins in each hand while tapping them and like using the steins themselves to close the taps and then coming back like just a boss with like these beers like there you go yeah i'm not quite there yet yeah (laughs) i don't know what possessed me to try it but it worked out which was very very lucky for me yeah you just need a nice dirndl now i know i know i I, you know i wouldn't be opposed i i did get gifted a nice uh pair of lederhosen Yeah, I, I, uh, I need to, I think I need to talk Deb into, uh, getting the gift shop team, uh, later hosen for, uh, for Oktoberfest. You know what? They're surprisingly comfortable. Like you yeah. wouldn't think they would be, but they, they kind of are the, the Germans knew what they were doing when they designed their beer serving yeah. attire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But getting back to sort of the work with the foundation, uh, and things like that. Now, I know when I, I came on to sort of help with this, when they wanted to uh, sort of formalize this, uh, the charitable giving, right? They wanted to go from, you know, just dealing with all of the emails coming in because the word it kind of got out that the brewery does do, does do donations, but then it just became sort of like a, del- a, del- a deluge, I guess, of just sort of random stuff coming in. You know, in that time before it was sort of formalized, were you guys just sort of dealing with, you know, a, you know, a mountain of emails that had no real rhyme or reason to them and because people didn't really know what to ask us for? Yeah. So, um, uh, we sort of suffer from, uh, you know, we suffer from the success of the brand image where, uh, we're very recognizable and, uh, we have a lot bigger reach than the actual size of, of the organization itself. So, um, there are certainly, um, uh, groups here in Greene County that um, their charitable ceiling is much, much higher than ours, mm-hmm. um, but they have nowhere near the same kind of brand visibility. So uh, we do get a lot of requests, either small and large, from uh, organizations in and out of state or individuals. Um, and uh, before it had just sort of been on a case by case basis, we would uh, receive requests and act on them after we, you know, judge their merit where now we are being a little more proactive. I'd say Mm. we've uh, formalized a system that involves a a voting body. We've articulated to ourselves, um, 
you know, a, a, a mission focus, which is, you know, assisting organizations that deal with food insecurity, housing, healthcare, education, and conservation. But um, before um, the foundation existed, we did, you know, we did give out uh, grant requests that were relatively large, but um, we we weren't seeking these organizations out. Usually mm-hmm. they would come to us for requests and, and we would start a conversation from there. Yeah, I see, I remember the YWCA in Rock County. Correct. Came yeah. to us for, um, this was before my time, but they're, you know, it'd be like an as-needed thing, like their water heaters. Uh, am I remembering? Yeah, like their yep. water heaters just crapped out. And this is the biggest domestic violence sheltering uh, in facility the, in the in southern yeah, so, South Central Wisconsin, I think. Yeah. yeah the, um, so, that yeah, that's a perfect example. So, you know, uh, usually we were assisting organizations um, who just had sort of uh, things that came up that were, there was nothing budgeted for, essentially, that needed replacement. You know, um, they were, for example, the YWCA of Rock County uh, was, you know, they provide housing for um, uh, women in domestic crisis, crises, and... Uh, um, you know, for you to not have hot water in winter is, is a big problem. And when you all of a sudden can't find $30,000, you know, it's, it's, it is an emergency essentially. So, um, we were happy to help with those, those groups. Um, and I think now what we're doing is focusing a little more on, uh, you know, looking ahead on programming and finding, you know, specific needs before they arise essentially. And, yeah. And you make a good, uh, you know, a good point about sort of the out of state stuff. And that, I mean, and we went through and I remember writing like a list of like, oh, 10 to 15 names for the organization for, for Deb during the beginning when we were really sort of trying to figure out what the scaffolding of this thing was going to be. And uh, only in Wisconsin giving was uh, one on there, A, because it's sort of the motto of the brewery, um, but two, to sort of give, you know, give everyone out there the idea of like, you know, this is our home state. This is where we're going to choose to focus, you know? So just from the jump, like, Hey, you know, yeah, we love our friends in Illinois, Iowa, (laughs) Minnesota and and wherever else, but we're sort of going to focus on the state that that's taking care of us, I guess. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, as much as we'd like to, uh, help our friends all across the Midwest, uh, we do have to, uh, create some discriminatory language for ourselves, basically that says, you know, we are only going to help inside of this region. Again, it goes back to that, that issue of the, the brand visibility. We, we, um, we just can't field every request that we receive and, and help out, unfortunately. Well, yeah. And that's what I, you know, when I sort of explain my work, uh, with only Wisconsin giving, um, you know, what I tell people is the job isn't, the job isn't, um, you know, it doesn't exist in the, the, the space of giving, of making the decision to give money to somebody. The actual work is in the hard part of the job is always making the decision not to give an organization exactly. money. Yeah. And then you have to create sort of a, and like you said, you know, we, you get limited by the capacity that you can give and you do have to create some, some sort of limitations upon that. Um, but within that framework, I think we've done a good job of identifying these issues of housing, food insecurity, um, healthcare, uh, childhood education, cons- uh, land and water conservation, those, those sorts of things. Um, and, and being able to, to really work within that framework and give, and give board members the ability to, to pick sort of an area that they want to sort of specialize in. And I know for you, 
food insecurity sort of uh, sort of came up as like uh, as one that you were particularly interested. Can you speak to a little bit of the work we do in food insecurity in Wisconsin? Yeah, we uh, um, it really kind of easily and organically grow, grew to support specific kinds of food insecurity programming that always supported local farmers. So mm-hmm. essentially all, all of our food insecurity uh, grant allocations stay, the monies all stay in state. It doesn't go anywhere, but directly back into the local economy. Usually we'll uh, support programs through hunger task force and uh, second harvest out of Madison's. And that covers a pretty wide swath of the state. Um, through Second Harvest, and then uh, Hunger Task Force is actually administers the Hunger Relief Federation of Wisconsin, which covers a really broad area as well. And uh, what we do is we um, give give grants, and those organizations usually are purchasing dairy and che- dairy products to put in uh, you know those distribution points for mm-hmm. for the food banks. Or, or they're they're getting fresh produce from farmers as well. Um, now, for the smaller food insecurity organizations, you know, the actual point of contact for the clients that they're serving, we have been trying to help develop the infrastructure. So we have given limited support to you know capital projects, building improvements. Um, refrigeration has come up along that sort of line of giving dairy products out. We're trying to you know build that infrastructure up. Well, yeah, and, and and that that is a great point because you know we were just I think we just talked about in our last in our last meeting um, about uh, the Kenosha County Food Bank, and this was an example of um, you know somebody coming to us uh, with a capital project uh, that was fairly extensive and fairly um, y- you know they were going to need to raise not you know not a ton of money but enough that they were going to need uh, they were going to need a lot of assistance. But it was specifically for refrigeration, and it struck us as just extremely forward-thinking in a state that's heavily, heavily in the dairy industry, heavily into farming, and also just on a basic human level of saying, you know, yes, it's going to you. You might have to go to a food bank, but there's no reason you shouldn't have refrigeration for fresh produce and fresh fresh food and meat and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, uh, it, it can be really hard to. Uh, when you're, you know, a, a client for these services, um, it's it's hard to get that sense of dignity um, when you're been being given, you know, uh, all of this, you know, non-perishable food. Mm-hmm. You know, you you uh, aren't eating the best, and so that's something that these food organizations have articulated to us that you know it, it's it's not just the actual you know health benefits as well. It feels better to eat good, fresh food, high quality dairy products, you know, yeah. it, 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 uh, it, everyone wins essentially. Well, and what's really struck me uh, the most in doing this work is how, you know, it it becomes all part of one, one sort of ecosystem. And you get to, when you start working and going down these paths, you get sort of a sense of how it all, all works together. So I know this it wasn't this year, but it was last year's donation to a hunger task force, you know, through being able to formalize our organization and get a little bit more control over, uh, you know, over the specific programming we would like to see happen. You know, that money was able to come sort of back to local farmers down in Southern South central Wisconsin for their local dairy products. Like it was like, it basically left green County, 
you know, went to a great organization who then bought fresh food from Greene County to go back to Milwaukee County. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of ways that, um, it, it needs to be a deliberate process when, when you're doing these kinds of, uh, uh, grant allocations, especially for food. Cause, um, you know, you can certainly, uh, give a bunch of money away by a, a very large amount of food. And that, uh, obviously that's going to be extremely helpful, but, um, sometimes that's just going to fly out of state through, uh, you know, outside suppliers basically that are providing those non-perishable products where mm-hmm. if we, if we, you know, if these organizations, they, they focus on that in the ear market, it's always been an easy, an easy sell to us to approve these grants that, you know, the argument saying, you know, not only are we providing fresh, fresh food, it stays in state or even in County. I mean, it's, it's really, it's turned into a really great thing for, for everyone, I think. And, uh, it goes back to this, uh, conversation I had with, um, um, one of, uh, our teammates here at the brewery, um, and they were just asking me about the decision-making process we have here. And uh, it's not necessarily just the the end goal that is the consideration that we have to make, but how we get there along the way. So, um, you know, and that's a lot of times that comes up with when we're, you know, approving different grants with our committee. It's not just, you know, oh, we've got this wonderful program that we think you should support. It's what kind of information they can, they can bring to us, how transparent the process is, you know, who who else benefits along the way, you know, all all those things are considered and should be when you're, when you're doing this kind of work. And yeah, and that, and I remember when, um, you know, we were, I was first starting to think about how, you know, I, you know, a foundation formalized grant request would go and, and for those who don't know, I, I, you know, sort of started my career working in, in politics here in Wisconsin. So got to know a lot of, you know, sort of these organizations working in these spaces. And I had a, you know, I had a friend who, uh, you know, worked at a nonprofit. Um, it's, he moved out of uh, the Capitol building into the nonprofit space as well. And, uh, but on the grant writing side, you know, or the, yeah. Yeah, the grant request side, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just called him up and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm moving in this new role. As far as, we're, we're starting to think about how we want our application process to go. What can you tell me that would help you guys out? And, and the, the, and I asked a few, a few different people and the general consensus was always like, you know, please make the initial application just as simple as possible. You know what I mean? And I get that people want to have like, you know, the 12 page kind of thing, fill out a thing. But for us, I think what became really beneficial is having like a very simplified application that we can then expound upon to sort of not have a a barrier to entry, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've, we've done a very good job with that. Uh, um, we, you know, we still field those small requests, uh, you know, local fundraisers, mm-hmm. individuals in crisis, but, um, you know, the, the, the same form still is, is good enough for, for us to, uh, you know, uh, start interactions and dialogues with uh, large professional nonprofit systems tackling really big issues as well. Yeah. Cause you can, I mean, if you find yourself in need of more information, you can always, you, know, you can always just ask. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they will, they, we have found they will be more than willing to provide, yeah. to provide it for you. But the point does remain. There's no reason why someone who's like, um, you know, in need of just some crisis health, uh, healthcare funding, 
should be filling out, <laughs> no, you know, a no. five to six page application. And, for- and there's certainly, um, smaller organizations that they don't have the means to, um, mine a bunch of data about their own organization. Oh yeah. It might be, you know, they might be really, they're probably really lean when they're starting off in their infancy. And, uh, uh, so you've got two people just doing program work. Uh, there's no one there to, you know, uh, create a bunch of metrics and, and put them together that, uh, judges the efficacy or their organization. And that that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, we, we can, also judge that for ourselves. So I know one of the, you know, one of the things when we've been sort of working together on this and me and you and uh, along with uh, Sherry sort of field all the smaller donation stuff is, is figuring out and, and, you know, and like I said before, the, the real work is, 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 is drawing those lines of where your yeses and your nos sort of meet. Right. And one of the things you know, I think that was sort of interesting in figuring this out for ourselves is like, okay, are we, you know, cause you can end up giving away a good amount of money just in galas <laughs> and yeah. golf outings and bowling and all of that stuff, which is fine and good. And they, and, and those events, I do believe do a lot of good work, but for us, it became, you know, we just had to make sort of the decision that, we would rather be working in either the uh, the the funding of actual programming or capital uh, capital projects for uh, for developing um, the properties, getting upgrades, things like that to help with the programming, or in some cases, direct administrative costs for actually running the programs, running the organizations. Can you uh, talk a little bit about how that decision making process went and and all of that stuff? Yeah, I'm you know, so we could give all sorts of unrestricted funds to uh, all sorts of different fundraisers all the time. And, you know, uh, nine times out of 10, the money's going to be spent super well. It's very effective. Um, This, these kinds of, these kinds of events that you're talking about are, you know, source, huge sources of funding and large portions of budgets for organizations. Um, But for, for us, it's hard to gauge our own impact. And that's really, what's more important when you're looking at this work, uh, you're essentially representing, uh, we're representing a business and our teammates at the brewery Mm -hmm. and we want to represent their interests and we want to, um, make sure that we can communicate how we're actually helping back to them. So, um, that's why it's so important that we do, you know, make sure that these funds go to specific programming, um, because otherwise, you know, all, all you have is a dollar amount at the end of the year that you point to and say, well, look, look how great we are. We gave X amount of dollars away. And then, you know, someone asks, well, you know, what, what did that really do? And you're just say, well, we, we don't exactly know. Yeah. You know? And, and it can feel like you're sort of just, if you're, if you're trying to be conscientious and a community member, but you're not actually thinking about the programs that are these, these dollar support, you're just going to feel like you're treading water. So, you know, when it comes back at the end of the year, we're able to communicate to our team. We supported these projects. These buildings are going up because mm-hmm. of the support. And, um, you know, and then we can connect that back to their work at the brewery as well and say, you know, these, the, these benefits that you're seeing in the community, these investments that the foundation is making, um, they are a, a result of 
the work that you're doing here, you know, that we're, we're not just giving away money to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. Well, one of my recent examples of this, of how kind of formalizing all of this and sort of putting it out there in the world of like, we have, we now have this charitable giving foundation. These are the areas are going to, we're going to work in. This is how we're going to operate. We're not very cloak and dagger about a lot of our stuff. When we meet with organizations, we kind of tell them straight up, like, these are the amounts we work within. This is the, 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 you know, the system by, by which things are approved or not. And by the way, one thing might not be approved, but we're always, our door is always open, this sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, was that we sort of start building these relationships. And we had talked about the YWCA sort of at the top of this discussion. Um, but we've also been doing work with the Green County YMs, the YMCA for, for a lot of years. And this sort of culminated in a, in a very cool thing this, you know, in the last three months. Can you talk a little bit about what we, we've been involved in with the YMCA in Green County? Yeah, so... Um we, we've provided year-to-year support um, for a long time to the YM, YMCA Green County. Um, last couple of years, it's been, um, uh, we have paid for the transportation for most of the county schools to um, bring their kids to the YMCA and the actual swimming program that that, uh, that travel is for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, at the very start of 2021, the YMCA was given a... $3.7 million grant by a Wisconsin Economic Development uh, Corporation to develop a child care center. Um, um, the idea behind that, I believe, is, you know, uh, with the older generations departing the workplace, everyone's seeing um, labor shortages everywhere uh, as, you know, the younger generations move up away from those entry-level positions. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get people out. I think the WEDC's mindset was, you know, we need to tap those unused, um, labor pools, you know, and for anyone who's got kids, it's, you know, you're, you're either giving up a whole source of income yeah. to, to, uh, pay for childcare or, or someone staying home basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so the YMCA decided to piggyback the, uh, this, um, Grants and this uh, capital project they're going to start with a you know a whole massive improvement project to bring their YMCA into the twenty first twenty first century. Oh yeah, because the background on this is, is is sort of in a meeting with them that you know a lot of organizations like YMCA's like your local YMCA wherever you happen to be listening to has probably been operating on the same budget for twenty years and have probably been deferring maintenance, <laughs> deferring upgrades, yep. deferring remodeling. And it becomes a catch 22 for them because the longer they put off this stuff, the less sort of memberships they can actually count on because the less they'll be able to provide those services because the Y is also used for youth basketball, youth swimming, youth dance, youth karate, youth, whatever. So their facilities get booked up real quick. And if you can't expand, you can't really sell memberships and it becomes untenable. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there is a model for this that they were following. So, um, you know, with everything that was going on in 2020, you know, every, I, I would imagine that most YMCAs, you know, people were drawing their purse strings. Uh, people were losing memberships all, all across the board, all over the United States. And there were YMCAs that had completed uh, large capital projects for, you know, uh, amenities, basically, that you wouldn't expect to find in YMCAs, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, a lot of purpose-built spaces. And those places it 
well exceeded their expectations for um, increases in membership, even as those lockdowns were coming into place mm-hmm. because the, they those locations became so attractive. So um, membership being the bread and butter for these guys, they uh, decided that they were going to try to, you know, basically follow that model, create lots of purpose-built spaces, increase the size of the building. Um, you know, so on top of a child care center, they're getting, um, uh, you know, you, uh, young adult recreational spaces for after school, m- multiple gymnasiums, different workout spaces, you know. Uh, uh, so there is a place for everyone to go if, the, if your family wants to go to the YMCA. So um, we decided when they approached us that we would do what what is now our largest pledge, I believe, which is a quarter million dollars over five years to mm-hmm. help construct teen center there, um, which I believe will be called the only in Wisconsin giving teen center, but not yeah. sure yet. No, we're not <laughs> sure. Well, we, we, we believe that'll be the case. Yeah. 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 Um, but the thing is, is, is this is a real impact on this community. Cause as we're saying there, you know, and when we talk about childcare and we talk about green County, it's been sort of a desert down here. And when we talk about facilities like the Y they've been treading water for so long that this is going to have a real, a real sort of impact on the community. And what I learned throughout this whole process is, you know, when these groups are coming around and they're asking for these things, you know, your donation might not end up being sort of on the top of the heap, right? As far as business involvement, community involvement, whatever. But it all works, like we were saying before, it all sort of feeds in on itself because when they get those commitments, they can go to people and say, look how much we already have committed. Exactly. And people sort of like to to get in on something that's kind of going, you know? So then those donations just snowball. And, you know, when I remember when they first met with us and they gave us the number they were looking for, I, I, you know, I I was in because I, I was like, this is going to be amazing if they can pull it off. Um, but when then they came back after, you know, securing a few donations, like, you know, I think they had a commitment from us at the time and told us the number they already had, because of the people who are committing, it absolutely, it absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. I, I, I remember the very first conversation that, uh, that they had approached us with that, you know, it was, is a very large number. And I, I thought, you know, maybe the dream is securing half of that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier for, uh, um, the team down there, Trent Henning and Luke Smetters, cause they, uh, really pulled off something big and, you know, basically, uh, these, these projects, um, they, you know, you start off with what you think you would like and you know that you're going to have to start shaving pieces off, Mm -hmm. which they did a little bit. Um, but not nearly as much as I thought would be necessary. I I think that, you know, they're really going to reach that goal of, um, you know, uh, achieving the, the grand vision that they had set out to achieve, um, and I, I wouldn't say that we're the biggest partner, but um, we definitely helped put move the ball forward on that, and that's that's really great. And that kind of goes back to, um, you know, our our ability to give now. We're in this really nice place because it's it's growing by so much. You, um, you see what's going on at the brewery; these pr- uh, improvements for efficiency that I'm sure others have talked about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, all that feeds back into what we can invest back into the community. And, and it's not unfair to say, you know, Wisconsin has, has taken this brewery under its wing and put it on its shoulders and really supported this vision from, you know, when it started to where it is now. I mean, 
we only sell in one state. So it's not, you know, it's not outside the, the scope of reasonability to, to give back a little bit yeah. uh, on, on that support we've been given. We're, yeah, we're very, we're very lucky. We're very lucky that we have that support. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a small nonprofit executive director listening to a beer podcast on a Monday morning. What advice would you give me? And I am in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> what advice would you give me in contacting uh, Only Wisconsin Giving? And by the way, if you go on the new Glarisbrewing.com webpage, uh, right at the top, I believe there will be a, um, a donations tab and our one page yeah. <laughs> application form is there for download. And it's as easy as filling it out and sending it into giving at new but what advice would you give me had I taken all of those steps already? And I'm okay. now filling out this application. Um, well, I, I guess primary consideration would be um, if you're making a grant request to only in Wisconsin giving, um, make sure you have alignment with our stated mission focus, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere within the concepts of conservation, food insecurity, housing, healthcare, or education. Um, and then beyond that, um, but, uh, you know, what we're looking for is, uh, you know, specific objectives, measurable outcomes, um, reasonable, achievable results, you know, um, obviously, like I just said, relevant to our mission. And um, if your projects are already time bound, so so we can understand where the start and end is. And if we can see that you can articulate the impact to us, that's that's really the most important thing is we, we need to understand how, how it will help, you know, um, where, where the rubber hits meets the road. And you so, since this is a beer podcast and I, um, I do like this idea of how beer sort of intersects with everyday life. Right. And just the way this has been set up and the ethos, it is kind of, you know, kind of fostered, um, you know, I just, I just really dig the fact of this is a company that is, you know, decided to take this on them, you know, take this on to, to sort of give back, but we should talk about some beer and you have been, uh, you know, been working in a tap room for nine, nine, nine years, years now. Yeah. So say you leave your tap room and you go to another tap room where you're going to have a beer. What are you, what are you looking to get in your glass? Uh, Mr. Kieran. Uh, well, I like, you know, malt forward, sweeter beers. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, so I'm lucky that I work here cause I love Bach beer. So I just, um, anytime I'm going out, you know, I'm, I'm not super crazy about the, uh, very, you know, fruity IPA type mm-hmm. stuff. I, you know, I, I'm a, um, beer enthusiast having worked here so long. So I, I will drink anything, but if I'm reaching for, um, reaching for beer and, and just trying to get what I want, I usually like to go out and get something that's, you know, darker bodied, a little sweeter, maybe like a Belgian double or, or a Bach beer. That was really funny is, um, I, uh, I hadn't collected, you know, one of my, my beer cases in a while. Cause I, I had just, uh, I had like my fridge and it would, it had enough in it. And I was just like, okay, I can, I'll wait. And, and I looked in there the other day and I, I think all like, and this sounds like an embarrassment of, of riches, but it's like, Oh, all I had was, <laughs> I had like serendipity, raspberry tart and strawberry rhubarb. <laughs> like I just had like the fruit beers on like yeah. three shelves. And I was like, 
I should probably start drinking th- those fruit beers. <laughs> and I, and I did for like two nights. I just like, I, I would have a couple of those fruit beers and it just reminded me how much I just really, really enjoy those. And like, so I went from drinking like nothing but spotted grand cru to drinking like nothing but Belgian red. Yeah. I mean, we're, uh, the brewery, it's, it's wonderful working there. And I get the question all the time in the tap room. Someone says, Oh, what's your favorite beer? And, Oh yeah. And I, you know, I, don't really know anymore. Cause I don't have to, I don't have to choose. <laughs> well, and that's the funny, that that's the funny thing. When you start working in this area, you, you almost become like omnivorous when it comes to like your favorite beers. Like, Oh, it's the one, I guess it's in my glass right now. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just, I just appreciate something different at this point. And, and, uh, we've got an amazing variety uh, here at home. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to me. I know everyone, uh, all the team members here are, are really busy people. So I, I do appreciate you taking the time to, time to come do this. Uh, is there anything else about the charitable giving side that you feel like you wanted to say? Any projects you thought were, you know, just closer to close to your heart that you've been able to work on over the last uh, year or so? The, the YMCA uh, did feel like, a, you know, the, the grant that we gave to them felt like a... Uh, uh, a really big moment. I, you know, have a personal connection. I basically grew up there myself mm-hmm. being a Monroe native and, and, uh, worked there when I got out of school, I was doing after school programs in the aquatics department and, um, lifeguarding and stuff. And, and so I'm just happy to see, um, be able to help them succeed. And, and, uh, um, I guess for, for anyone listening, just, um, don't be afraid to reach out and uh, uh, make a request. We we might you might have something really valuable that we think would be a wonderful program to support, and uh, um, uh, we want to hear about it. I always tell people never be afraid to ask. The worst you can hear is no, and exactly. you can always ask again. Have a good day, Kieran. All right, thanks, Scott.